Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the 2017 reboot film Power Rangers is one of the hosts of Always Hold On to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Matt Truix. Matt, welcome. Thank you so much for having me in the command center here, man. This is this is uh, behind the scenes. I was like, this is the one I'd love to do, and and it it happened. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. I'm very happy to have you teleport in for this. And yeah, we were messaging about this, and that might actually be a good place to start because I think this is just so fascinating. You sent me a photo of you wearing <laughs> the Blue Ranger costume from the movie, the actual movie costume. How did this yes. come to pass? Um, so uh, all, all of my professional work really um, has been prop related. Um, for nine years, I worked for a company called Prop Store, which um, is an auction house that does, it specializes in movie props and costumes and things like that. Um, and when I was with them, they were really getting into doing stuff with Lionsgate with a lot of studios, but Lionsgate was the one that like kind of kept coming to us. Um, we had done, I had uh, kind of project managed the twilight auction, which I'm sure you were a part of. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. That went very well. And then, um, so like suddenly Lionsgate kind of saw this as like, a, Oh, this is an avenue for us to, to make some money off of our movies. Um, so that power Rangers was one that came up. And at the time, I was trying to remember today, I'm like, did we think that this meant there wasn't going to be a sequel? And I don't know that that had. No, I think it had actually, as I'm talking to you, I think like as we were doing it, there was talk of like Hasbro has the rights now and they they're going to do their own thing. So like basically this franchise had already died like two years, maybe less after this movie came out, uh, which we can get into the reasons for that. But they were basically they kept hero versions of each one of the suits, um, including the Green Ranger suit. And then the rest of the stuff, all the costumes, all the suit pieces, all the little 
some props and notes they write to each other in detention and stuff um, was for us to sell and um, meet a market and things like that. So sorry, this is a really long story. But as as a result of that, because those suits were so damn tight, um, they couldn't be dressed on mannequins. So for the first time ever, we got to use live models, which meant us, you know, in the office. And I was tall enough to fit uh, the Blue Ranger suit. And um, I got I got to do some live modeling uh, for a couple different auctions uh, at that job. Like I've, I've worn um, a few different kind of cool costumes, like uh, from Warcraft, the the god awful Warcraft movie. I got to wear one of the big armor thing. You know, like that was really fun. But that I swear to God, if I could wear it right now, I would be in the Blue Ranger costume right now. It was comfortable. It was it was mobile. Like I was amazed how how comfortable I felt and how powerful I felt and how much um, dexterity and, and movement that I had in the thing. It was just, it was the coolest day of doing a bunch of like, just pose their photos and then a bunch of dumb videos and stuff for ourselves. Cause it's just like, I, I I'm, I'm four years old again. You know, like this is crazy. That, that is so, I mean, I'm so envious when you sent me that photo, I was just like, Oh my God, I, I could just imagine <laughs> having been a fan of this franchise as a kid to be able to step into something like that. What's interesting too, is that I was watching the special features for the power Rangers movie and they have mm-hmm. all of these behind the scenes featurettes on various components of the movie, the, the casting and the costumes yeah. and the music. They've got like 20 minutes on the suits. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that stood out to me was how long it took to get the actors into the suits and there were all these different pieces yeah. and everything like that. So did you have to go through that process or was this, I know you oh, said the hero absolutely. version. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like the, the hero version, meaning like um, uh, two or three people dress me in the thing, you yeah, know, sure. like uh, you, you pull on the main suit, which had some pieces on it, but for a lot of that, um, and I don't remember the exact specifics, but like the gauntlets are separate pieces. A lot of the little armor pieces on the chest and the arms are separate things. So it was like, Get them in the suit. For that, you can mostly put it on yourself, and obviously someone has to zip you in. And then two or three of my coworkers were just like velcroing shit onto me, you know. And and that was that was the process. Um, but that's how a lot of like super suit stuff is done nowadays too, because it's easier. Um, really, starting with the Dark Knight, it's easy to kind of like replace little pieces if they get scuffed or whatever during production, than to like. Um, uh, replace a whole suit if it's just like one big rubber suit so that's why they did a lot of that um but yeah and and it was pointed out to me again watching those special features today that it was wet a workshop that fabricated those suits and I, again like what it just knows what they're doing you know like it, they were i again i was i was really amazed by how 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 comfortable i felt and not not restricted um in any sort of way. I, I felt like I had the same kind of range that I do now. It was just, it was very cool. That's awesome. Did you feel empowered? Like, did you feel like you could take on some buddies? You start doing, you start thinking, you know, karate immediately, you know, like <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of this posing, you know, and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, no, the, the guy who, a coworker who modeled the red Ranger with me, um, we did some shots that were just the two of us, and we were both just like, "This is the best day in the world," you know, like this is the coolest thing. That is so. It was it was nice to having having liked this film, and and still kind of sad this didn't become an ongoing franchise because I think it makes a lot of the right decisions. 
Um, but it was cool just kind of having that come full circle of like, yeah, this is the version I've reacted to most recently. And it also got me like back into reading like the boom comics uh, that Kyle Higgins was writing at the time. You know, like I, I dipped a toe back in. I even went and rewatched uh, two episodes of Mighty Morphin and went, never mind on that. And went back and watched the movie with commentary instead, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, that's a perfect segue to talking about the movie itself. So I would imagine anyone listening to us or watching us on YouTube is well familiar with the film that we're talking about. But this was Power Rangers, directed by Dean Israelite, came out in 2017. And this was a reboot of the franchise. So this was not following the continuity of the the television series or anything like that. It was its own thing. It was an origin story. It utilized the same uh, makeup of the team from the original era. So you had Jason, Zach, Trini, Billy, Kimberly. Uh, and of course, Zordon and Alpha, but it was an original story. And yes, as we've been getting at, it was clearly meant to kick off a new series of films. And unfortunately, right. or not, depending on how you felt about the movie, uh, I think for both of us, it's unfortunately that didn't happen. Yeah, this is a question I have for you, though. But yeah, continue. Exactly. So, well, I guess that's that's a, a, as good a point as any to sort of lay out our overall feelings. I mean, we'll unpack everything, but just mm-hmm. our overall feelings about this movie. And I, again, I, I imagine people checking out this episode, there's probably a mix of feelings towards this. I mean, clearly, again, this movie didn't do what it needed to do commercially or critically, but uh, I know you and I have have affection for it. And I've heard from others who have as well. So it's kind of, it is interesting, uh, I think, to talk about. That's my question. Now that you're, now that you're, you know, in Ranger world right now, um, I, I've heard a little bit just listening to the podcast, but like, do you get a sense that this was a, a, beloved thing i don't know if beloved but like an accepted version of this for most fans or was it just like this flies in the face of every ranger thing that's ever rangered before you know like or is it like right down the middle so i i don't purport despite doing this podcast i don't purport to have my my finger on the pulse of the fandom to the finger on the the morphing grid pulse yeah there you go uh to really answer that but uh, i guess a, a little anecdote so i saw this movie opening night, I believe, when it came out in 2017. You know, as I've talked about on the show, I grew up loving Power Rangers, watched the three Mighty Morphin seasons, most of Zeo, and then I fell off. But when I knew that there was this okay. big screen reinvention coming, of course I was excited. And so I went on opening night with my wife and one of my buddies from, from my old comic shop, Zach, who, depending on when I release the, these episodes, uh, the audience will have already heard from Zach uh, for an episode about the Pink Ranger and Kimberly leaving the show and all of that. Cool. Okay. And it was kind of, it was a tale of two impressions, right? And a similar background. Like we both grew <laughs> up watching the, the show and all of that. And I came out of the theater and I obviously I saw it that night. I watched it again a few years ago, a couple years ago. I don't know. And, and then obviously again, uh, just today for this episode. So I've seen it three times now and my impression has remained the same. I really, I liked it a lot. I liked mm-hmm. that it was essentially this high school drama, that it was so character driven, that it spent so much time And I know this cuts both ways. One of the main criticisms of the movie is the lack of action and how long it takes. 90 minutes. It's an hour and a half before they actually morph. Get to suits and stuff. Yeah, I get that. But I I really liked what they did. I think that it was, again, this more soulful character study that uh, most of these kinds of movies are not typically built for. And I felt like overall it tapped into, I think, a lot of the fundamental like foundational principles of Power Rangers, of working together, right? Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of the updates that it made made sense to me. So I came out of that screening and my impression has remained the same. Like I really enjoyed it. 
Zach, on the other hand, felt the opposite. You know, he just, it, it didn't work for him. And I, I don't want to speak for him, but I think, again, a lot of those criticisms that you hear from other people, I think he would kind of co-sign on that. Again, the lack of action, the lack of time, actually seeing them as rangers and things like that. So again, I think you, you definitely get a mix, definitely get a mix of reactions to this. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that in general too, because like, you know, in, in other films, you it, it honestly sounded like you were talking about Superman Returns and like the the, the <laughs> fan reaction to that, like you didn't punch it, but you know that bullshit. Um, but yeah, I, I get I get that, and I also get that I liked it because it felt like a nice a nice way to reintroduce me to this thing that I have nostalgia for, but I don't actually want to watch again, you know. Um, but I I there are parts of the mythology that I like, um, but at the same time, we're like. I know they're making changes here to mythology and, and moving some things up and changing things completely where I'm like, if I was died in the wool, you know, if this was a DC movie, I'd be like, well, how could they bother me? You know, like I, I really do get that fan reaction. Um, if you're, if you're still, if you're still in it, you know, I think even though I've, even though I like the movie a lot and I, I do wish that it had gotten at least a sequel. There, there was plenty that they had set up, the tease of Tommy Oliver yeah. at the end, this threat right. of others coming for the Zeo crystal, all of that. D- despite liking the movie, at the same time, trying to be objective and, t- and take a step back, one thing that I have always wondered is, who who was this really for? And I, and I guess you and I are actually both, both kind of undermine the argument I'm about to make because we are people who grew up enjoying the franchise. Yeah. But at the same time, I... I can recognize, and maybe Zach is, a, is is kind of a good example here. If you're really trying to speak to people who grew up with it, I don't know that there was enough, you know, fa- lack, for lack mm. of a better term, fan service, enough kind of callbacks or things that sort of recaptured that that feel of the show. And then on the other hand, I don't okay. know how much, and I have, I have no idea how the the youths uh, received this movie per se. But it's like. Again, this is a franchise we got into as kids. It's like, I don't know if this was really a good vehicle for capturing the next generation. That's a good point, especially with that like lack of action thing that you mentioned before. Because I'm like, maybe if you don't care about this at all as a kid, you're like, I'm bored. I thought this was superheroes. You know, like that, that I kind of get. I really think that we were the audience for it, honestly. The people that knew all the things, knew all the words had fallen off the train, but wanted an excuse to think it was cool again. And like it in that way, it worked totally for me. But um, it obviously didn't capture kids. Um, part of that was the shit toys, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. And I, I really do think they were going for something more down the line and for everybody. And the audience, the sweet spot might have been us, you know? Well, it's it's. I think what's also now shifted my perspective on all of this a little bit is the once and always reunion special on Netflix. Can't wait. So, a little bit of time travel here. Pretend uh, you're back on the Wave Rider on Legends of Tomorrow. So, as you and I are recording this, as we're recording this, mm-hmm. we're a few days away from the release of Once and Always. By the time yes. people hear this episode, they will have heard. A prior episode of this podcast on once and sure you you would have to do an emergency yeah transmission for that i get it exactly so i'll be curious how this segment of this episode ages after i've seen once and always (laughs) but let let it be known i will be flying back from a work trip that day and the minute i saw the date i'm like that morning i'm recording it and or you know downloading it and then watching it on the plane like i cannot wait 
right? And so, and that's the thing, because you look at something like Once and Always, where it's bringing back the the originals and and their immediate successors. Uh, it's, it's a mix, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I fudge it a little bit. They were all yeah. Mighty Morphin. I they they all count in, in in my book, and it's picking up with these characters decades later and. Again, at this moment in time that we don't know exactly how everything's going to unfold, there are unanswered questions. I don't know exactly how, to what extent it's going to follow the continuity that the entire franchise has established. There's some questions, but Mm -hmm. in in any event, it's bringing back the originals and bringing us back into that story. And I just, seeing on Twitter, seeing how excited people seem to be about this, I don't, I don't know that, you know, again, the, the 2017 film, you know, became anywhere close. And I'm not saying that that movie necessarily needed to do what Once and Always is doing. But I think one thing I've always come back to with the 2017 film is like, there could have been some kind of avenue to utilize some of the Rangers from the original television franchise as a prior incarnation of the team. Or like, there, there could have been sure. some attempt to sort of, uh, you know, thread the worlds together. In the... They kind of did it with Cranston, though obviously he's a different role. But like um, my the example that popped into my head, do you mean like um, uh, John Wesley Shipp is actually Jay, Jay Garrett, not Barry Allen? Like that type of thing? They could have done something like that. I mean, I guess even more more specifically, if there had been, I mean, whether it was, you know, the, the entire original team or a couple people, but that they had been Rangers before and they served some sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess... So not do Jason and Billy and in him and that type of thing right okay right again a totally different beast and and it's you know it's it's weird because like i keep coming back to i really liked what they did but i guess putting on the studio executive hat or whatever it's like well this like didn't do what it needed to do so like i'm always curious well what could they have done that maybe would have have worked better I, i was just about to say i'm like i think the smarter financial move is to do it like this but then again you look at something like 09 star trek and you're like that had it cake and ate it too too. So like I I don't I don't know. That's interesting. And the other thing too, that's again that's a very you know a, a literal connection point right between the the movie and the franchise. Even if they hadn't done that, even if they had again used the you know the the character templates of the of you know Jason Zakentree and all and all of them and and really it had, it still had been a reboot. But if it had had more of the trappings of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we get the the Go Go Power Rangers theme music very briefly, and it's a glorious moment. But it's it's so yeah, fleeting. It's it's so fleeting. It's honestly, ah oh man. One of the things I really want to talk to uh, this or talk about with this movie is the music. I think the music rocks. I have a weird relationship with this music, but part of me is like that should be in the score throughout, or, or at least during those things. I love that they did the needle drop. I think this theme sounds great there. I don't need the lyrics. I want tastes of that throughout that whole final fight, you know? Well, what is your weird relationship with the music to the in this? I I fell in love with this music. Like I I own this soundtrack. I didn't own this movie until this week so that I could watch the special features. Um, but I own this soundtrack. I listen to this soundtrack a lot when I'm writing. And when I'm reading comics, it's just, it's a good kind of like superhero-y background thing for whatever superhero-y comic I'm, I'm reading at the time. Like it, it, I, I go back to this music a lot. I'll have it in my head. Um, I just, I remember like being in the theater going like, oh shit, I'm going to get the soundtrack. Like this is really good. So yeah, I, I like, it's one of those, I feel bad complaining about it because I like it so much. I think that theme 
that plays like when they just like let the theme go and let them walk towards us in slow-mo is so damn cool. And I love that they do the needle drop, but I just, I want it to be in the score a little bit more for that final fight. Yep. I hear you. But I, but I also agree. Yeah. That moment where they walk out in, in slow-mo and you really, you really get the full effect of the music. It's soaring. Like it's a, it's a great moment. It's a cool, awesome mixture of, of actual orchestra with that, I don't think dubstep's the right word, but the but the the techno side of it too, you know. Yes, for sure. It's a uh, again. I I guess I'm conflicted in talking about this because I I recognize what what the criticisms are, but I also know what works for me. And and so mm-hmm. the fact that it took them 90 minutes to morph that didn't bother me at the time, and it still doesn't continue to bother me. And the fact that the you know that the the final fight with Goldar you know, is last for the, the, the period of time that it does, I didn't necessarily need more of that. I mean, I find more often than not when I'm watching a lot of these superhero movies, that's usually the part, not that I check out or I don't care, but I, I'm not as invested when it, when we devolve into kind of the CGI slugfest at the end and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you know, it's fine. I much prefer the, the, the character work. And we got so much of that. And I think by then you love these characters so much that you're just so happy for them. They can morph finally, you know, like the, it, it, I, I get what you're saying, but for me too, it like I was just totally on board with this movie. There is like one, there there are some dumb things or whatever that are there for for a younger audience, and you remind yourself you're watching a Power Rangers movie. Don't take this too serious. Shut up, you know. Like, um, but for the most part, like, you know, I think the tone really works. They maybe go a little bit too dark sometimes, but that also earns the fact that this is a world where we're gonna do Billy's dead. And we're going to jump down and have to do the whole thing of dragging his body back to the damn ship and that type of thing. And that works for me. Like watching it the other day, I forgot how he came back and Zordon being like, I could only bring back one. I got a little lump in my throat. You know, like I, it, it, I I don't know. I've no apologies. It just, it totally works for me. No, I, I, again, I I really do get it. And it's like I said before, I think a lot of the choices that they make are, are natural, right? If you're tasked with mm-hmm. rebooting and updating this and you're looking at, again, the sort of the archetypes of the characters and then, again, what are those principles? Like, you know, working together as a team, you know, the, the, the value of teamwork and believing in yourself and all that. Uh, again, I think a lot of this does flow naturally because as especially now as an adult going back and rewatching a lot of those early Mighty Morphin episodes, you know, it brings back wonderful memories and they're fun to go back. I know you had a different experience when you tried to rewatch them. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get it. Like, you know, yeah. But at the same time, and you know, we've joked about this on the show. In, in the in the first episode of of Mighty Morphin, Zordon, you know, directs Alpha to summon five teenagers with attitude, and it's like, with what attitude? What, yes. what attitude? I mean, these are these are like the, the the best kids you could find. Kind of milk toasty kids, yeah, exactly. You know, and they and I, and I know there are episodes where they have to, you know, they they always have some sort of personal uh, challenge that they need to overcome that sort of ties in thematically with the villain of the week and all of that. And so it's sometimes not, tests are hard, you know, like yeah, I get yes. That. But that's the thing; you only get so much depth and nuance in that. And so this was an opportunity. I mean, look, you look at, at this group that they've assembled, you have uh, Jason who throws away his promising career as a football star uh, when, when he tries to, you know, steal the, 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 the mascot of a, of a rival school and gets into this car accident. You have Kimberly who is involved with this uh, sort of mean girl revenge porn bit, which we, yeah, we revenge circle back to porn cheating scandal bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So there's which, that. Which felt 
real to me and like that that all kind of plays fine to you know yeah you know zach lives in, in a trailer park with his mom who's ill uh, and she's all he has trini is struggling with uh her sexual orientation and her family's reaction to that and billy has is on the spectrum and has lost his father uh, and is still working through all of that so you know you have and and again, I know we we both watched those special features. If they said Breakfast Club once, they said it a hundred times in those, in oh, those interviews. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very much that vibe. Like this group of five misfits who come together, mm -hmm. they're not unlike on the show where they're already essentially a friend group, right? Here, the coolest fucking kids you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here it's like there's, you know, there's there's some friction between them and they don't know each other. And that's ultimately what proves to be the key to unlocking their ability to morph is getting to know each other and support each other and be willing to sacrifice for one another. Yep, yep, I, I like that. And I like, again, I don't have much fealty or memory of the specific pieces of the other, the original characters besides like Billy was the nerd. But I like that they kind of... I felt like remixed what some of these kids are a thank God they changed up the, the ethnicities with the colors of the, you know, the Ranger color, like that just makes sense to me. Um, but then there's, you know, like, like all the character stuff you're saying felt original and new and like, Oh yeah, that would make, that's makes sense for someone like this. Um, the fact that they didn't make, the blue ranger, the gay one, they, they made the yellow ranger, the gay, like that's so nice, frankly, because that feels like, you know, I, I keep going back to um, uh, Abrams Trek, but it's like Sulu's not gay, you know, like that type of thing. Like it, it just, all of it felt like the right moves uh, character wise to me. Um, and then there was, there was rumor that I think just rumored that Tommy was going to be, a girl and i'm like yeah sure why not you know like that makes i don't care as long as we're doing the same thing with it that's fun yeah i remember hearing that that rumor as well that speculation but yeah and i think i mean it's been a while since uh i was in high school but i mean they felt these kids felt real to me uh, you know in terms oddly of, real for how stupid a movie this is yes exactly that's the thing i i and i felt this way even just watching the movie itself but especially watching all the interviews and the behind the scenes stuff and I do think it is always worth watching that when, when, when you can, because you see how much work goes into this. Mm -hmm. thing. Like, I think it's really easy to go to a theater or, or, you know, queue it up on Netflix or whatever and watch it and be like, Oh, I don't like this. And that's fine. Right. But when you see like, there's so much thought that goes into all of this. And one thing that I came away with after watching both the movie and the features is I think there was a lot of integrity uh, behind this movie. Mm -hmm. I think that there was really, it was well-intentioned and uh, again, the movie didn't, succeed the way that everybody hoped but again I, I do think it holds up and i think you watch this and it's it's still for the third time i've watched like it still pulls me in and i'm invested in the characters mm -hmm. it feels to me like them giving an honest try for i would say the first time with this franchise i say that because like this was a cash grab franchise to begin with how cheap can we make this how how little can we pay our actors blah 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 um, I think some of the writing was probably the most creative parts of it, just trying to work around the footage they had and figure out the stories. Like that's that's truly a, a creative and like mathematical puzzle that is that is fascinating um, for me to hear about, especially in this here podcast. Um, but this felt like the first time of like, let's take this seriously. Let's spend some money. It's not the the richest movie ever made. You know, the most expensive thing in the world. And I think that does show sometimes, but again, they play into the limitations of it. It's the first time that they just like went in clean going like, 
here are the pieces. We get to start it from scratch. What can we do with it? And I think it's a perfectly valid attempt at it. Yeah, again, I know we talked about this before. You just referenced it uh, again, sort of how they had the, the show had to work with the, the footage uh, from the Japanese. Series. Of course, but, yeah. but it's like I always come back to that interview from one of the special features I watched for Mighty Morphin, where I think it was Tony Oliver, the, the producer, who was he was like you know tasked with watching ahead in the Japanese show and kind of making notes. Of where, and when they got to the Green Ranger bit in in Super Sentai, he's like, "Oh my God, guys, like Green Ranger's here for five episodes." <laughs> you know, it's like, so yeah, I, I always remain uh, very impressed by that. But you know, as far as w- with this movie and again, like remixing the characters and things like that, I'm get a character like Jason, and uh, very early on in detention, he stands up for Billy, uh, who's being bullied, mm-hmm. and it's uh, that's exactly what Jason Scott from the TV show would do. Would he bitch slap the bully? No. Okay. But yeah, yeah. but he would still you know he would still stand up for him. So I think it it kind of you know puts that. Uh, Again, just more of a, you know, 2000s spin on it. Side note, and this is maybe a random question, but did you watch Entourage by any chance? No. That's no, totally no. fine. But when... Uh, I'm not in the Entourage, I'm sorry. All right, all right. Uh, but when he when he bitch slaps this guy, there's this there's this great moment in Entourage where uh, Ari Gold has this confrontation with the rival agent who, if memory serves, had circulated uh, essentially like an adult film that Ari's wife had been in. Like it was a very, very contentious thing. And so Ari goes into this other guy's office and calls him out and smacks him. And he's like, did you just smack me? He's like, yeah, bitch slap for a bitch. And it just remind you know it just reminded me uh, <laughs> felt that, like vibe. that vibe. Yeah, it felt like that vibe. And of course, we get the callback at the end when they the Megazord literally slaps Rita uh, in, into space. So we into to, space. Yeah, so it all comes around. But yeah, I, I mean, and that's the other thing too. And I, your 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 point is a great one. When you go back and you look at the original TV show, there's in terms of their personalities, it, they they are pretty broadly drawn. It's like yes, Billy is the nerd and the tech guy, and you know you see that play out here. Jason's the leader. Kimberly, again, on the show is, you know, like, you know, more concerned about shopping and her hair and kind of like that valley girl vibe. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Zach dances. I mean, like, there's not, you know, there's not a ton there. Like a lot of times the, the, you know, the personalities can, can feel somewhat interchangeable. Um, You know, others might disagree with me on that, but again, they're pretty broadly drawn on the show. So I think here it was a very noble attempt to really draw, to really draw this out. Specify a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I think that, I think that's cool. So, um, I, I also think that this movie in terms of some of the other characters, I need like 40 minutes at some point to talk about Rita Repulsa. Um, but before we get to that, um, the fact that this movie can pull off Zordon and give him like actual gravitas, it helps that you've got like Walter White here, you know, like that, that obviously gets you more than halfway, um, but the characterization of him, at least, like feels legitimate. And that Alpha 5 is not the most annoying thing in the world, that you actually like him. Like, again, casting gets you halfway there, but that's magic to me. I was amazed how much I liked, uh, again, watching it, but in theaters, too, of like, wow, Alpha's really fun. Not not what I saw coming, because I remember seeing him show up and be like, oh, shit, yeah, you know, like, this guy's here. Yeah, I mean, when he says, you know, you have eleven months to stop Rita. Wait, eleven days. Wait, eleven days. Uh, and then I think when they're the first time that they're unable to morph, and he tells her, "Yep, this is very disturbing." Like there are just a lot of great bits. And I watching those special features. I, I mean, I knew certainly I had seen the some of the behind the scenes stuff uh, previously of you know Brian Cranston and the makeup and the you know the little mm-hmm. booth and how yeah, it's the blue right. blue guy. Yeah, 
I was not aware that they stuck Bill Hader in a, in a motion capture suit for a whole day and had him running around <laughs> in that room. I was like, he for did that? No like, reason. Let's be very clear. They didn't use shit from that. They just wanted to hang out with Bill Hader, you know? And he even says that in his interview. He's like, ah, I don't know how much of this they're going to use. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I didn't even see that. That's funny. Yeah. But I was, you know, cause I, you know, watching that, I assume again, he just went into a booth and recorded the dialogue and that was it. And then I'm watching this and it's like this, I'm, yeah, I'm sure he was compensated well, but it was like, to play this like three and a half foot squat little thing, you know, like that's pointless. Yeah. Do you watch Barry by did any he, chance? I didn't. Well, I love Barry. Right. Did, real quick, when he's doing mocap, did he have any sort of a belly or like anything to give him some physicality like Alpha has? No, he was kind of like hunched a big, over. Heavy hat. That's no. Dumb. He was like like yeah, was like pointless. hunching a little bit, but that was it. But uh, yeah, I'm a fellow fan of of Barry, and that's just been a revelation to see him in that over these past few years. He's and it's unreal in that. Yeah, you know. And then it's uh, and then yeah, it's like. Again, obviously, as far as the the, the kids, this you know, crop of newcomers. But yeah, to have Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Banks, Bill Hader, you know, that's uh, you know, you know, to kind of have them as the anchors here. And mm-hmm. one thing that I really appreciated was that in rewatching the, a lot of the show, you know, I'm still not entirely clear how their powers work on the show. Like, where I heard you talking about this the other day. I think with Lance. Yeah. On Lance's episode, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I know people who are, you know, who have kept up with the franchise like Lance or people who are like really study this. I know it's it's probably a simple answer, but it's like it still feels like kind of nebulous about what what all of this is about. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, So the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Oh yeah, comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw yeah! Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. 
What does the Zeo crystal do? Well, I mean, I'm what a sh- good time to take a water break. Yeah. Uh, what is? <laughs> well, I mean, in the movie, it's the source of of all life, and every planet, if all life, has like, a, sh- a how, shard of it. Why? Why is it here? I mean, on the show, obviously, that I understand was- very well why it's in a Krispy Kreme, but I don't. I don't know anything else about it. Yeah, man, talk about some. Uh, I mean, I mean, it was call it product placement. Feels thing. like an yeah, understatement. Someone's <laughs> got to pay for this thing. It is fun too, by the way, as an Arrowverse fan and Smallville before it. To watch this movie and be like, I know all these places. I know exactly where I know this quarry, you know. And the yeah, and the high school, right? The ex, was the exterior. And the high school, Smallville High, yeah. And the Main Street, if I'm not mistaken, that's what they use for Once Upon a Time, right? On ABC. Did you? I don't know if you watched that. Oh, I don't know, but maybe. I'm, I'm almost positive, and I know that was a Vancouver thing, but uh, I forgot where we were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, I, I, I might have derailed this. No, 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 yeah. no. The uh, with the with the oh, zeo crystal the powers and zeo crystal and blah blah blah. Uh, well, actually, that's a. I, I had meant to ask you uh, earlier. I'll ask you now. So, what what is in terms of your your Power Rangers fan journey, your history watching? Are you talking about watching it as a kid? How oh, far God. did you get yeah. in the show? I I don't recall. Um, it was only listening to your show that I remembered, and now I'm going to forget his name. But Rita's bony brother. Oh, Rito. Rito. Rito Repulso? Revolto. Revolto, right, because you would have a different last name from your family mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in a kid's show. Um, uh, I remember him. I remember him being like the last cool thing. When did the like dragon zord thing that Rita had come into play? Like that was the last toy I got. Uh, wait, Rita's Rita got a big dragon ship thing. Oh, the Serpentera? Serpentera. That was Zed's thing. Um, I don't know if Rita, maybe Rita gets into it at some point, but I know because we watched when we did the power transfer, when the Rangers have to go to that other planet to get the sword of power so that they can transfer the powers to Rocky. Adam well, and right. right. Zed, yeah, yeah. Zed, you know, interferes with, with Serpentera. So uh, beyond that. So I, I, like that was the last, those were the last two things I remember. I was as into it as anyone else when I was four years old is when this all came out. I remember the first time a toy spoiled me was when uh, it revealed that the white ranger doll was actually Tommy Oliver. And my mom was like, wait, but that's, that's the green ranger, isn't it? And we were both in the toy aisle, like, Oh my God, you know, like this, (laughs) this is, this is huge, you know? Um, So that was huge. Uh, The movie was, was big for me, but I think shortly after the movie, I, you know, died out and, and would go to Disney stores then for the rest of my life and be like, this is still, they look like this now, huh? Interesting. (laughs) And that was, that was really all that I had jumped into it. And then this movie did what it was supposed to do and kind of got me back into it for a second. But I went similarly with my best friend and both of us posted like that day that we were going on Instagram of me and my Red Ranger costume as a kid and him and his white ranger costume you know like it was it was such a big thing the toys were such a big deal um but yeah i it was it burned hot and then died out for me gotcha i mean yeah my experience is not is not different so yeah it sounds like if you saw rito so he debuted at the beginning of season three and that was right after the movie so that that makes perfect sense 
That uh, makes sense. So I made it like a, maybe a year and a half past you because I got basically, yeah. as I've realized recently, I always thought I was like, oh, I'm like halfway through Zio. I made it basically to the end of Zio. And so as a fan of that season, it was cool that the Zio crystal came into play in, in this movie because- mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, know, I had no idea what the hell that thing was. Yeah. So at the end of the Mighty Morphin era of the Power Rangers franchise, the Power Coins, I believe it's Goldar and Rito, destroy the Power Coins. There was also this whole okay. business where- um, uh, Rita and Zed had reversed time and all the Rangers were little kids and, and, but eventually they were re-aged and, uh, but Rita and Goldar destroyed the coins and blew up the command center. And that was the end of the, the mighty Morphin era that there was sort of like this in-between thing with the alien Rangers, but in any event, uh, and then we get to Zeo and there's the Zeo cre- and that's, well, you gotta love that about the show. It's like every time all hope is lost, the Zords are destroyed. Our power source is gone. There's always something we'll else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a more powerful source. Um, so the, yeah. the crystal, <laughs> the Zeo crystal, uh, is what, you know, it becomes their new source of, of power. Um, so it's cool okay. to see that, okay. but I like, what did you think of this new backstory of Zordon having been the original red Ranger and Rita being the Love green Ranger who that. betrayed? Yeah. So cool. And, and, and again, plays into, um, the iconography that we know, it gives us the green Ranger thing. Again, I need some time to talk about Rita Repulsa, but, um, in general, I think that's cool. I, I got so excited at the beginning of that when I knew Cranston was Zordon in it. And the minute that helmet comes up and, and you see past the makeup and you realize who that is, you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, what a great, again, remix of this mythology as saying that as someone who doesn't really care about this mythology anymore, you know? Right. And I guess it's not a surprise, you know, two, two people here uh, who love Smallville, right? And we're invested mm-hmm. in this doomed friendship between Clark and Lex. So, you know, that kind of flavor here where you had these two allies and teammates and then, you know, right. Rita turned on them. And we know eventually Tommy's going to fall the same way Rita did, but but he, she, Tom, whatever, they will be redeemed. And that's cool because of the power of friendship and love. And Power Rangers was the friends we made along the way. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. I also, what I what I appreciated, I guess two things. One is that, that there was tension between the Rangers and Zordon. Like Zordon mm-hmm. felt far more yes. of a of a of a character of a person here than he than he typically does. More more of an Xavier than a Zordon, to my memory of of Zordon. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things actually, and I've talked about this, but I, I really do like about the Boom Studios comics, and I know you had referenced that, mm-hmm. is that you you know you do get to see some of the tension between Zordon and the Rangers, and it's you know yes he's this paternal figure, but there can be some dysfunction there, and so uh, you know again the sh- the show wasn't built for that, but whether it's the comics or this movie, I think it's it's ripe to explore. And so, mm-hmm. you know, sort of his hidden agenda here of trying to, uh, you know, bring himself back to life and come out of the wall is is great. And again, as you said before, like a great payoff when he sacrifices, you know, his ability right. to return for Billy. Because uh, he's a yeah. goddamn Power Ranger too, you know, yeah. like, and he's going to do the hero move. I wonder, I know the audience can answer this. There, um, there must be some comic story where Zordon, like, comes out and becomes flesh and Oh, I'd imagine, Ranger. right? Yeah. I, 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 after how many years of this show? Like, yeah, there must be some version of that somewhere. Yeah. Um, that's another thing where, like, you know, listening to your show, uh, listening to to Lance, you know, just Lance because I know he knows the mythology and and we're good friends. And I'm just like, I just I think the mythology of this is really cool. I don't have the urge to watch this kids show and invest the hours in it that I have. But when I hear about it, I'm like, that's rad. 
And that's what I think really works about this franchise and the attempt they made with this movie of just like, can we take this mythology that we've built up that is cool and put it in and package it in a way that it's a little more accessible, that it's, that it's a little higher budget is a little more um, crowd pleasing in a good way. You know, as, as we keep coming back to this idea, I feel like one thing that's kind of zeo crystallizing for me is, uh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. But, uh, you know, maybe, you know, who, again, this question, who is this for? Maybe, right. maybe more elapsed fans were the sweet spot here. Again, right. I, I do still wonder for a, a young audience how, the, you know, I, again, in, in fairness, there is a lack of spectacle here for most of the movie. I think that's, that's fair to say. And so I don't know, maybe a younger audience, if this if, might not have held their, their interest. I don't know. Um, and then I think maybe for people who either have kept up with the franchise or have, or had more specific expectations about what they wanted to see from the show, either in terms mm-hmm. of, of, you know, aesthetic or callbacks or Quality direct continuity, or whatever, yeah. tie, like whatever. I think that they might've bumped up against this, but I think, and maybe this accounts for why you and I in particular liked it so much. It's like, this was not something that I was still living in. I just had a really right. fond memory of it. And I think this movie did do a good job of tapping into enough of what I remembered about it, but putting a new spin on it where I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, this is, this is great. This, this is what I'm going to, and I kind of said it earlier. Like they say all the things they do, all the catchphrases, alpha does the IAIs make my monster grow. There's not one of those to me that makes me eye roll like both all of them in the, and I, I host a legends of tomorrow podcast. Like I've got a big, you know, uh, um, I, I, I can cut cheese a lot of slack. But like when she did make my monster grow, when they did the needle drop, whatever you want to say, I'm like, wow, that worked. Like that could have been real stupid, you know, but that that worked for me. It was funny. It was whatever it was supposed to be in those moments. It's morphin time, you know, like what, like you never at 40 years old, who knew that I'd be, you know, as an adult watching a movie where they say it's morphin time in such a serious way. And I'm like, bet your ass it's morphin time. Let's go. You know, like I'm into it. It's cool. I don't know. They, they pulled that off very well. Um, in my opinion, as, as even like the late reveal of the Megazord, I think is super cool because a you know we talked about the action, you don't get the Zords and the suits and stuff till late in the game, and you haven't they haven't even introduced the Megazord as a thing, and narratively you don't really need to know about it. But if you were a kid in the nineties and you haven't thought about it in a second, and suddenly you know the parts start shifting and stuff, that's another goosebump moment for me of like oh shit, they're doing it. I forgot this was even the thing. You know, like that was a cool, I'm glad they didn't um, shed a light on that as a possibility and just left it as the kind of surprise at the end. Yeah, for sure. And I, why one thing that I really loved about it was how, you know, the they weren't just all in one cockpit together pressing buttons, right? They yeah. were each controlling a different part. And again, this theme of teamwork, they really had to make sure the legs were, were moving when they You're a to. leg, I'm an arm, whatever, yeah. You know, that was cool. I mean, the whole the whole thing of like they get shoved into the pit and then they just kind of fuse together. It's okay. I guess and, and, you know, and maybe <laughs> we they, found our division. <laughs> this is this is where you and I There are a couple of things separate. I didn't like. There there were a couple of things that I didn't love. But maybe because as I, I've been rewatching so many of the episodes and you get that sequence of of the formation of the Megazord, this was just sort of like 
they fuse together. What I want to know is, you know, did Zordon and Alpha even know of this feature? Like, do you think they were, Zordon and Alpha were back at the ship and they were probably like, oh, oh man, those Rangers are done for. And then the Megazord emerged. Now? Yeah. And then the Megazord emerges and they're like, oh, I, like, <laughs> You should have told him about that. I knew we forgot something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's there's an argument to be made that um I don't know. I, I mean we could fanboy wallpaper over this if we wanted to, where like either they didn't know because we see the um Zords separated in the beginning, I think, for a second, or they did know, but Rita's forces were just so powerful that it didn't matter, you know, it beat him up. I don't know. I also, what I really, really like going back to this idea of kind of like answering questions that maybe you had as a kid that the show never really gave you, you know, when mm. Alpha shows them the Zords, he talks about how, you know, they, they take on the form of the most yes. dominant creatures in their environment. And at the time that was the dinosaur, dinosaurs, these things reign were supreme. here when dinosaur and reign supreme. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, and so I, damn cool. I know I was sitting there. I was like, oh, okay. Right on. Cause that's the thing you watch the show yep. and it's like the power of the dinosaurs. It's like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Shit is the, yeah. Fossil fuel? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I In like fairness, that. we drive to work by the power of the dinosaurs every day, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I like that too. Um, there's some design choices. And again, I say this as someone that really liked wearing the suit. But part of me is like, um, with with the command center and stuff too, I think it looks cool. It's a little too spacey by half to me. Like I, 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 I it's it's a little too hard to look at a Zord and figure out what it's supposed to be. You know, where, whereas like there, there's a simplicity and and a joyful simplicity to those earlier designs, which is like the one part of this movie to me where like aesthetically I'm like, I wish it was a little, little simpler, a little more had those silhouettes of, of what the old was. I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about that? I I agree. I think it, it, I don't know if busy is the right word, but yeah, looking at it, it was hard. It was hard at times, like looking at those designs to really see what they were. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool watching the behind the scenes stuff and you see the actors in the cockpit on like these giant gimbals and they're, you know, shaking them yeah, around yeah, yeah. So you see how they film their piece of it. So, you know, that was cool. Their floaty, uh, uh, controllers or whatever. And we had talked about this when we did the Mighty Morphin movie and, you know, there was a whole behind the scenes thing where the director did all these different tests where, you know, they removed the visors from the helmets cause he's like, I want to be able to see right. the Rangers faces and it just looked weird, you know, here. And again, you have the CGI removal of it, but then you have the version of the helmet where you see the face and I, you know, I thought that, that would work great. I thought so too. And and you have to see one of them do it and then you can cut to all of them have it off. And I'm like, this is, this is money saving. This makes sense to me. And you get to see your actors for a second. Blah, blah, blah. That, that worked for me. And it doesn't feel like, um, I don't know, like the superhero movie where like, you have to take your mask off the whole time. Cause like we've had their masks off the whole day. It's just, right. I, we are so connected to those characters at that point. It's nice to see them again in those suits. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, they, before they cover up, you know, yeah, and that's the thing. They really this movie. I even if it didn't work for everyone, I appreciate the kind of bold swing that they took in investing as much mm-hmm. time as they did in in the characters and you know seeing yep. those the, those dynamics and everything that they're dealing with the fire, you know the the, the you know the fireside chat where they you know reveal their secrets and everything. Yeah, it's, you know. Let's stay here tonight. Let's talk about how my mom's dying and I'm gay and whatever. You know, I'm on the spectrum and that's hard and whatever the the thing is but that was such a nice again they earned the team of it they're not going to be allowed to morph and be power rangers 
well, screw it. Let's get some baseball bats and some barbed wire or whatever and like go try to take Rita down ourselves. Of course, it doesn't go well, but you love them for trying. Yes. Now, again, not to dump on the movie. There were a couple of things that I had a little bit of an issue. No, let's do it. So number one, so the command center or the ship, I I didn't mind the design. I thought it was cool. And I did like, you know, you watch the show and at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you're told, all right, Zordon's this being trapped in a time warp, you know, Rita and the monsters are in space. There always seems to be this weird blend between the mechanical and the mystical. Again, you just, you go with it. Here though- Space dumpster on the moon where the witch lives. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you know, here I felt it was it was cleaner. We have these alien beings and this sort of organic metal or, or you know, whatever the ship and the Zords are made out of. Or, yeah. And, and it just, like, I wor- it worked that for me. That cushiony art thing, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm on board with this. Uh, however, you know, one of the trappings of the show we don't get here is the ability to teleport. And I'm saying to myself, so every time these kids want to go talk to Zordon, they got to jump off a cliff and swim? They got to get wet. They got, yeah, this sucks. Every time? So I, you know, I forgot about the teleporting as a thing, (laughs) but that's also one of those things where like they could have introduced that in the sequel, you know, like that, that could have come eventually. Speaking of that, I also wonder if the next time they morph, they would have shouted out the name of their dinosaur. I mean, that's a, that was a big piece that was missing. It didn't ruin the movie for me, but you know, that every episode. That's the thing. And just again, this, like that, that motion, that is, that is something that's missing. Um, uh, yeah, no, I like, again, I, I, it's busy. I don't hate the idea of the command center. I'm like, it doesn't have to look like the old one to me, but it's just kind of busy and complicated though. It is funny on the special features. You talking about it made me think of that. Where like, they're talking about how cool this command center was and blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, it's so big. It almost felt so alien. I'm like, you built one set for this movie. Like, just calm down. <laughs> you know, like this was not... That big a deal. This is a pretty cheap movie. You spent all your set money on this and it looks cool, but half of it is still a green screen where you're going to pretend Brian Cranston's there. You know? Yeah. Interesting to learn that Cranston didn't sign on until the rest of the movie was shot. And uh, I mean, obviously I knew he wasn't there with them either way, but that, right. and I guess that was one of the things that convinced him to sign on. He watched the sizzle reel and he liked what he saw. He talked about that in the interviews. Um, the other thing was, there's this whole business at the beginning where Zordon, as as Alpha, is calling the meteor to Earth that is going to wipe out the dinosaurs. But also, very cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yes, uh, but it's also going to stop Rita and bury the crystal and all that. He's burying the coins, and he says, "You know, seek out those who are worthy." Seek out those who are worthy. And then, of course, we get to later in the movie, and all the kids are hanging out at the mine by coincidence on the same night. Yeah. Um, these these stones have not been doing shit for years. You know, like they're just hanging out in the glass. Yeah. So I guess that's the thing. I, I mean, I don't think the movie really gives us anything along these lines. I think this would be a stretch. But I mean, unless we're to think that maybe subliminally the coins were calling out to them in some way, and that's why all they all happen to be there. I don't think the movie really supports that. So it's like they find it by chance. Now, I guess if they weren't worthy, the ring, the coins wouldn't work for them. Sure. But it just sort of feels like, I don't know. I mean, that's just like a big, big coincidence. I, I agree. It's a coincidence I'm fine with just as someone who's watching the movie and wants the movie to happen and is not into this mythology. I'm sure you could if you were into this mythology and looking to make it work. Like the fact that it took them all to be together to find the coins was like was the, the destiny of it was the coins making things happen and that type of thing. Like I, I could kind of see that, too. It doesn't bother me at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. These mines, I mean, very versatile. You go swimming. 
Uh, yeah, you know, you can you can go digging for. Treasure. I'm pretty sure Oliver Queen restarted the universe there, so it's <laughs> it's a busy place. <laughs> yeah, it really is quite. It is really quite the hotspot for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, can we talk about Radio? Yes, Road please go, go for it. Okay, so I I I was always a villain kid. I I loved the villains. I loved Rita Repulsa as a kid. I loved Scorpina. I loved Lord Zed, Goldar. I forget the little elf goblin that makes the monsters, but I liked him too. You know, like um, I, my first real prop obsession is when they shrink Rita down in the original show and you see the Rangers like holding this little puppet of Rita that like there are pictures of it, the actual prop online now. And I'm like, oh man, that's so cool to me. Like I was obsessed with it as a kid. I aesthetically wish she looked more like Rita Repulsa. I like what they do with the Green Ranger thing. Like story-wise, I think that totally works. And I get what they're going for in her costume. I want the hair. I want the Madonna boobs. I want the dress. I want something. Um, It's the same way I feel about Goldar, where I'm like, it doesn't have to be the big blue alien with the gold suit. Like, I kind of get where you're going with it. He just looks like a globby mess to me. And that, again, it's the busyness of all these things, which is why we should get into the the toys too. But like when they, I didn't buy any toys from this movie, even though I was into it and I'm an adult who buys toys. So they, it was a possibility, you know, but during COVID when they did the pre-sale for um, the Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed two pack, you bet your ass I bought that. And that's the only Power Rangers thing I've bought in forever, but I bought it because I'm like, I want that Rita. I want that really good Rita figure that they didn't make for me as a kid. And that is the one thing watching this movie where like, I don't dislike uh, Elizabeth Banks at all. Um, I think, I think what she, I think she's actually genuinely creepy and in, in, in the right tone um, for this movie at times, uh, especially that scene where she just like straight up kills Billy. Like that's, that's tough. You know, like, she's cool. Um, I just, I want her to look a little more like Rita. I'm with you. Uh, it's funny with the toys. So uh, my interest has since cooled, but for a while uh, my wife and I were both really into the Funko pops and you know, you can see I've got a whole uh, showcase of them. <laughs> really? I would never have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> Behind me. And I was so excited. And I have all of the mighty Morphin ones that they did. And I remember mm-hmm. they had, you know, the ones from the new movie out at the same time too. And I, and I passed on all of those. Um, but, yeah. and I did like, I did like the design of the costume in the movie. I, you know, but not enough to, you know, to kind of pursue the the merchandise. And I'm with you on the Rita design. Cause I think you look at, you know, even for those who might've preferred a more, you know, a version of the costume more akin to the show or even the Mighty Morphin movie where it was still armor, but it looked like right. what we knew from the show. Nevertheless, you look at those Ranger costumes and it's like, oh, that's the, those are the Rangers. Those are the Rangers. Again, yeah, that is that is the design element of this movie that I do like and I get what they're pulling from because they're putting in the effort to kind of pull from the original things. Rita and the Zords don't work. That's the thing. And yeah, and you know, I agree with you about Goldar that he's just kind of this glob. It's like, did he need to be an alien who's talking. I mean, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't have minded that, but I get that they went in a different direction. Right. But, but yeah. that's again, one of those like mythology things where I'm like, remix it all you want. I don't give a shit. Like call it Goldar. I'm happy. You know, but yeah, re- you look at Rita and it's like, if, you know, if they told us this was an original villain for the movie, we, we'd be like, Oh, okay. Like there's no, you know, sure. there's nothing where you look at her and you're like, Oh, that's Rita. And I, yeah, I agree with you. Exactly. Yeah. She has the staff. That's about it. But even the staff is like the spindly gold mess. 
whereas her staff was used to be sillier, but kind of iconic in its own way. You know, like I, I, I don't know that that is the one thing where as as once upon a time a fan of this franchise and for whatever reason someone obsessed with Rita Repulsa where it was like that's not my bitch you know like I I I I, I wish she looked like her and I feel like well I'm no designer but I, I I'm sure there would have been a way to include at least aspects from the original and then sort of add yes. green elements to it. like if you want to sure. make it clear this was the former green ranger fine I think you can you can you can blend them here they just went totally in the in the other direction Yes, I, I agree. A, a collar, a something, like, you know, whatever elements you want to pull from it, um, much the same way they did the suits, where it's a, that's a completely different suit, but they've got the mouth thing and the visor situation. It's very much the same. And you've got the Harlequin and you've got the coin and the, the belt. Like, those elements buy you a lot of redesign, too, you know? It doesn't sound like the answer will be yes here, but is is there anything from the original show or anything that clearly they were setting up for a sequel that you wish had been, they had just gone for it here, whether it was Tommy or Zed or bulk, like there's no bulk and skull or, or, you know, no, but we've got like shitty bullies and stuff I'm fine with. Um, no, I don't think so. I think they, again, I think they remixed it perfectly for, for perfectly might be a stretch, but I think they did well for what the first movie had to be. Tommy would have been too soon. Zed would have been too soon for me. Like, earn it. Do the original thing. Do the thing that we all fell in love with at four or five or so, however old we were. And and go from there. Like, this, these are all the elements I needed, let me say it like that, for a Power Rangers movie. Fair enough. No, fair enough. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, as you have heard in these episodes, I, you know, I've, my opinion on Bulk and Skull has shifted a little bit and I've, I've come around <laughs> on them. I wouldn't have, I think there could have been maybe some spot for a, for a Bulk and Skull pair in, in, in small mm-hmm. doses, maybe just sprinkled in here a little bit. I don't think the movie necessarily suffered for their absence, but I, I think something could have, something could have worked there, but, but it's okay. But, you know, one of the, I big, get that. one of the biggest departures that we haven't talked about yet, and it almost slipped my mind, like, oh my God, this was, was huge, you know. They have powers unmorphed here. Oh yeah, did you like the superheroes that unmorphed? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, it, it didn't occur to me until literally talking to a uh, uh, wonderful prop store photographer, Justin Charles, who uh, uh, was uh, one of those people that like really stuck with it and and knew the mythology when we were doing this auction project. That he pointed that out, and I'm like. Oh yeah, like it didn't. It didn't. I, it wasn't present enough in my mind for me to have a problem with that. They they did karate in every form they had, so you know, like it, it didn't bother me. No, no, I I, I get that. Yeah, I, did you? I, like I never saw Chronicle, the movie Chronicle, but I know this was likened to that. Have you seen it? No, I've no. never seen. Is that the found fo- footage one? Uh, it might be. I don't know. Uh, yeah, what a great thing to bring way, up something no, I that I know nothing it. about. That we know nothing about together. Yeah, good for us. Um, yeah, no, sorry. But I think from from what I've read of that and the comparisons, I guess it's kind of akin to that in terms of these, you know, the, like kind of like the grittier aesthetic and these kids finding these powers and, and, and all of that. And I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I, I was okay with it. I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know that I necessarily needed that, but it didn't put me off or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, I also think, tell me what you think. Like, I feel like they did, you know, they have five main characters. I feel like they did a good job of of 
giving time to each one. You got to see their home lives, which again, on the show, yeah. there was v- very, very Who cares? Love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I thought so too. It's the three that get the most play are Jason, Billy, and Kimberly. Um, but still, you get enough, you do get home time and character development stuff with Trini and Zach to the point where you do feel like you know them too. But it's like, it's, it's Kimberly and Jason who, who I keep going to that image of them jumping in the water with, with Billy's body. And it's just like, like that's the focus, you know, the three of them kind of like hugging one of them is a corpse at the time, but the three of them hugging and falling down into the water thing. I'm like that, that's, that's kind of where the focus is here. Um, but I think you have to kind of choose a few to focus on. Like this isn't this isn't friends. They can't all be even because we've got hours and hours and hours to be with these people. Like you've got to have a way in, you know. Yes, but I agree. I think that you get enough. You get enough of each, even though yeah, we do have a focus on on a few of them more so. Uh, Trini's mother, by the way, very attractive. <laughs> when we get uh, the, yeah, <laughs> see with them at the kitchen table. <laughs> We could have yeah. a little more time with, with her home life, maybe. Good, good for Trini's mom. Uh, and then Roy from The Office is Jason's dad. You're like, oh, why are you here? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Although Jason, what is what is that actor's name? Dacre Montgomery. Dacre Montgomery. Um, looks somehow younger in Stranger Things than he does here. He looks like the oldest high schooler since Tom Welling in this show for some reason. In this movie, um, I like him a lot. Um, but yeah, there, there was a bit of a watching this. I'm like, why is your hair receding at 15? You know, like, <laughs> um, that reminds so Are you current on Superman and Lois? Uh, no, no, I'm a few episodes behind. Okay, this is not a spoiler. Uh, but as of this recording, they recently introduced uh, the son of George Dean, the former mayor of Smallville, and, okay. he, and he's meant to be a contemporary of. Sarah, high school student. And mm-hmm. when this, I was going to say kid, but guy showed up on screen. My wife and I both this looked at each other. We're like, this guy looks like he's 35, which, you know, it's like, <laughs> which is not old because that's, I'm 36 now. Uh, no, but, I'm like, but it's like, he's supposed to be like 16. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> but anyway. Yep. Yep. I understand. Uh, did you like the, I mean, so we have Dacre Montgomery, who again, as you said, would go on to have a big role on Stranger Things. Naomi Scott as Kimberly. She would go on to be in uh, Elizabeth Banks's Charlie's Angels movie, which I have not seen, but I know she's in Oh, that. which nobody saw, which doesn't exist. Um, she was also Jasmine yes. in the Aladdin movie, which people saw, but instantly forgot. They got neuralized as they were coming out. Um, <laughs> uh, I th- I think they're all fine. I think, um, I this is just, mean now i guess i think trini is the one who feels the most green to me as an actor um i think i think there are some deliveries from all of them frankly that are a little off but for the most part i think they're they're all fine um i like ludy lynn a lot i i'm big like hashtag ludy lynn as um uh uh dick grayson as Nightwing or Terry McGinnis someday. But also that was then he might be too old now, you know, whatever. But I, I I thought he kind of popped in some scenes here. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah. So Becky G as Trini, uh, Ludie Lynn and RJ Kyler as, uh, as as Billy. Uh, I was checking them on IMDb. Like they've, I mean, I know Becky G's a singer. Um, They've all gone on to do, you know, at least Mm -hmm. some stuff. I don't know that I would say any of them like really, 
blew up. And I feel bad because it's like, you know, this was clearly meant to be a great, you know, launching pad for them. Yeah. I think Billy, what's Billy's actor's name? RJ Kryler. I think he especially deserved to have a little heat off this movie. Um, and really the only one that that did, I think, was Kimberly. I, I don't know if you, maybe, maybe um, uh, Dacre. Sorry, I'm learning these names. Right I, now, I believe they, that's how you yeah. print. I believe that's how you pronounce he gets, it. He's on Stranger Things, so maybe you can kind of equate that to this. Uh, you know, say that that's somewhat. This is somewhat responsible for that. Um, I think uh, again, the girl who plays Kimberly. I don't know the names. Um, getting Jasmine is a is a direct response to this, but like, arguably, I think Aladdin did less for her than this movie did. You know. Oh, fair. I know. Yeah, I actually do feel bad for her because so she's in this. She's in Charlie's Angels that everyone won't acknowledge. She's right. in, uh, you know, went away. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, like this is clearly, you know, they they don't have a ton of experience under their belt, but it, you know, it it works, right? Because the team is is totally. inexperienced, right? So, you know, I, I I think it I think it works. Now we had mentioned before again as far as the the, the personal drama and their backstories and everything. Uh, yes, we open the movie in the present once we cut to the present day with this, you know, bull masturbation joke where this is like, why the hell does this movie start with a cow jack off joke? You know, like that, that is the, that is the part of the movie where I remember like turning to my friend in the theater being like, oh shit, you know, like this, (laughs) this might suck. And it's the only real moment where, again, there was some stupid joke. There are some things that if we really wanted to, I could pick apart here but like for the most part it works for me and it sings along that is the one moment where i'm like why are we spending upwards of 15 seconds on this weird joke you know yes it's funny like but even i, I was noticing as, as i was rewatching, even right before that once we leave the prehistoric era you know you get the power rangers title card and it's just mm-hmm. little text you know on the bottom you know right yep. hand little side nice, of the screen easy you know it's but it's again the vibe of this like it's not you know, you're not getting that lightning bolt and and the you right. know, like. Go, go, perfect. Yeah, yeah. This was again a more meditative, uh, you know, character drama than than anything else. And you know, again, I you know we, we liked it certainly. I, I guess I had the the bull thing. I agree. It's was an odd. It's like that's where you're planting your flag. Like this is, this is exactly. like really come on. But I the, what are you trying to prove to us? The the Kimberly thing. I just wanted to circle back to that. So. You know, you start the movie, she's in detention, and then she's getting bullied by these girls in the bathroom, and they're literally cutting her mm-hmm. out of a picture. First of all, I'm like, who carries around a picture? But anyway. Uh, <clears throat> Excellent point. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really like this bit where, again, it seems like she's being bullied, and then you find out later she's the mean girl, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was – I enjoyed that piece of it. The revelation that, you know, she shared a presumably nude photo of one of her friends with the guy she was dating – yeah, that's a crime. I mean, like this was. Uh, yeah, that's, it's not great. Yeah. Yeah, it went a little. It went a little. It reminded me of you know the bit in the Anchorman movie where you know they have that big battle royale in the park and and uh, <laughs> that, escalated like, that escalated quickly. It's like yeah, Brick killed a man. Like Brick, by the way, I've been meaning to talk to you. You're probably wanted for murder. It was like that. It's like whoa, this is really uh, this is really pretty <laughs> serious. I feel like. I, I, on the one hand, I appreciate, it's like, look, they went there, like it's dark, but Mm -hmm. probably realistic. But at the same time, maybe maybe they could have pulled it back like just a little bit. Yeah. I I mean, I I hear what you're saying for me. It's, it's the, it's the soap opera thing that works for me in this movie. Um, where like, 
I I find it harder. I find it harder to believe that Jason's gonna like flip and total that car and run from the police and what. Like I like how stupid are you? I can believe that a teenager doesn't know how to deal with their emotions and does something horrible as a previous teenager who at times didn't know how to deal with his emotions and did horrible things. Like uh, I, I kind of get that. And I uh, not, not, you know, like uh, we didn't, we're old men. We didn't have these things when we were growing up, you know, like I, I don't think revenge porn was a, thing necessarily or whatever but um there's there's part of me that's like i i don't know that in the right circumstance i would have had the the you know moral fortitude to not do something terrible like that so i I, at that point we love her and we're in we you know we're on board with kimberly and it's kind of the time to drop that like i was a shitty person and i'm trying not to be i'm like i get that like you're still a kid you you have kind of a chance to redeem yourself here. I I hear you. Did, did you did you like the the Kimberly Jason pairing? I mean, obviously we don't. It doesn't really yeah. escalate. But would have been really building. interesting when Tommy wound up a girl, and we find out that Kimberly's gay. You know, like that that would have been really fun. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm into it here. Why not? Yeah, no, for sure. But again, they don't go. They don't kiss or anything, right? Like no. I'm not misremembering. They don't go too far with it. Like it's just they have a connection. They both kind of feel like the, the parents of the group. And I think that's fair to say in the characterization of it. You know, like it didn't, none of it felt forced. It, it just felt like genuine hormonal attraction. Yes. We, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the, the brief uh, cameos by Amy Jo Johnson and Jason David Frank. So they pop up. Uh, after the big battle that decimates Angel Grove, this, this mm-hmm. uh, they describe it as like a sleepy fishing village. Uh, yeah, it used to be like San Diego to me, you know, like it used to be like a cool Southern California place, but here it's just dark old Vancouver. You know? <laughs> well, uh, you know, as we've talked about, Angel Grove from the show is basically anything you wanted it to be. Because it's, sure. Sometimes, sometimes it's Australia. Yeah, sometimes it's Australia. A lot of times, you know, you have these these big industrial areas. Uh, mm-hmm. that are Tokyo. Then you also have these fields. These so it was kind of like every kind of every kind of place. Uh, we also don't get. There's no youth center. You know the juice bar. No youth know? center. No Ernie. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. That's just, um, but that that this all could have come eventually. You know. Yes. Um, again, when you were talking about like, do you miss elements of it? That that was kind of where I went to immediately. But I'm like, I don't need it. But I do kind of wish that now that they're good people. In the sequel, they're volunteering and helping bring the juice bar back. And then it gets decimated by whatever big monster grows and they have to help, you know, fix it. You know, like that, that works for me. I like that. I like that. But yeah, so we get the the cameo by the, the two uh, OGs. There's an alternate version that is on the deleted scenes where uh, it's, it's the scene with Kimberly and Trini where they're doing their little table fork battle in the restaurant. Really, and it just it nice cuts, choreography, it, ladies. Yeah, and it cuts over to the to the two of them watching. But in this version, Tommy has his uh, his long hair. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does he not in the cameo that's there? Did I misremember that? In the one that's in the movie, it's just his short is what Jason David Frank had at the time. Interesting, yeah. interesting. I mean, it would have been fine for either of them, but both of them do kind of reflect um, what we were talking about before, where like they're they're not going deep on the old lore at all 
no, no. But yes, at least, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice nod. Uh, you know, at least they were yep. there. And, and of course, Brian Cranston himself having done voice work for the original show. That's a nice, you know, a, a nice little connection point. So local boy makes good and comes back and, and lends a hand. Yeah, it's nice. Sure, is there anything else that we, that we haven't hit on yet that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. Um, if, if nothing else, just let me reiterate, everyone should buy the soundtrack and listen to it when they drive, when they're depressed, when they're into things, when they're excited, you know, like it, it's a good, just like, I, I just think it's a good background score, but um, no, again, I, I feel like this whole thing's been a gush. There are a few things that I dislike about this movie because I thought they did what they were trying to do very well, which is, which is impressive with a mythology this dense and beloved and hasn't really been treated like this before, you know? I, yeah, that's the thing. And I, it's, it's funny. I, I mean, I feel like for the most part, we've been similarly aligned and I've been a, a little bit more critical, but in a lot of respects, it's more, not that I feel like I need to speak for the critics, but I guess, you know, I kind of had that swimming around in my head. Like what were the issues that people sure. had with it? And I, I, you know, I think it lent itself well to, to our discussion, but no, I agree. I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I'm happy that I own it. I think it's, a very underrated entry in the Power Rangers uh, mythology. And I think as we've been saying, and as you just said, it's like for what it was aiming to do, I think it did, it did it very well. Was it what mm-hmm. it needed to do again, critically or commercially, you know, the results would tend to say no, but it's, it's very enjoyable for what it is. And I would say for anyone who's, who's been listening to us, who, you know, maybe he was, you know, not, not so hot on the movie, you know, maybe give it another shot. Cause as, you and I have experienced, and we have talked about on our various shows and everything, so much of our initial impressions are formed by, you know, the expectations that we have and the baggage that we bring to it and everything. Totally. And it's like, yeah, totally. if you were coming to this and you wanted to see, you know, the, the Mighty Morphin episodes that you watched as a kid, like just brought to life on the big screen, you know, it's, it's, it's not that. And I'm not, not saying that. that's the it only- It is a hundred percent not that. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, you might be listening to this and being like, well, that's not why I didn't like it. And I know there are, you know, what are other criticisms that, that, you know, one can have, but I think if you go in with an open mind, it's, uh, it, it's good. I, it's, I'm glad we have it. I'm glad that even though there was a lot that was set up, it does still stand on its own. You don't feel like, oh man, like we, you know, we, we didn't get a complete movie. Like you really got a, a, a solid origin story. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, it's a little bit of what I'm worried about with, um, what is the reunion that's coming up that we're very excited about called? Once and always. Once and always. It's a little bit about what I'm worried about there where I'm like, if they start talking mythology for a couple of scenes, I know I'm going to tune out and I'm not going to care. You know, like I, I, I just, I kind of want the character stuff to, to follow me up there. And I, I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure there because character stuff was not maybe the strongest suit for this show as from what I recall, you know, like it was the whiz bang of it. So um, wa- wanting to, invest again wanting to like power rangers again is really um what makes me respond to this so much where i'm like this is a power rangers i can get behind and i feel has just enough meat on the bone for me to care and keep going back to it well said so for people who want to follow your your podcast uh, adventures <laughs> uh, where would you like to direct them <laughs> something just as stupid as power rangers um uh where uh, co-captain Trisha Ennis and I are piloting the wave rider throughout all of always hold on to DC's legends of tomorrow. We're having an awesome time over there getting some, um, 
behind the scenes interviews with with some names you've never heard of, but uh, are really genuinely great people, and just kind of in my mind show that there's there's passion and love for again what you were saying. Like there's a lot of work that goes into this from making anything from all forms of people, and and that's really cool. Um, and meanwhile, on the uh, uh, Always Hold On to Smallville Patreon with um, Zach Moore, we're doing Always Hold On to the Flash, uh, which has become a, a just grab bag of craziness of anything that involves uh, the Flash character or John Wesley ship we're, we're covering now. So that's been fun too. Very cool. Well, I hope everyone will check that out. And uh, Matt, thank you very much for coming. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do this. This was truly thank you. Like you, you would you know, ask me like, do you know anything beyond Mighty Morphin? Basically, I'm like, no, but I, I liked the movie. Um, so this is this is maybe my one and done even on this podcast. But um, it, I've been listening and I've been really really enjoying your coverage. So thank you for having me on. No, I appreciate it. And I, you know, if I had brought someone on who you know hated the movie, you know, that would have been an interesting conversation in its own right. But I'm glad. I I, I hope that we've over this hour and fifteen minutes mounted at least somewhat of a defense for it because I a feel solid like, defense. you know, I watched before we sat down, I, I rewatched the pitch meeting for this and the honest trailers for it. And, oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, and that's the nature of those, of, of those, uh, those YouTube channels, but you know, it's like, take they, the piss out of everything. Yes. Yeah. You know, but obviously they, they, they really beat up on it and there, you know, there's certain, there's certain critiques that it's like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Others, you know, again, especially the amount of time they spend with the characters. It's like, all right. I mean, I, that's, positive you know if in my book at least but anyway i'm glad i hope that we at least were able to speak up for this movie and if it gets even one or two people to you know maybe give it a shot or or, or go back to it uh, that would be good yeah absolutely i would say buy it though i tried to watch it for free on whatever thing it's on and it was just infuriating with all the ads so just just do the rental at least save yourself some time gotcha yes all right so thank you um everyone this episode was brought to you by crispy cream no i'm just kidding <laughs> we have sponsors they're not they're not one of them man but like how much were, did, were there tie-in donuts or something for it like did we miss that i don't know i didn't i didn't i have no idea i mean how much do you think they paid for that like probably like i mean it's such a prominent placement probably a couple mil because that's the thing it's not just that they reference it they reference it a lot and they go there it's and she the eats the donut finale yeah <laughs> Rita takes a moment during the fight to eat a donut and the girls are there before that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is that 10 million? Is that 5 million? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that, but I, I would imagine it's more than whatever, you know, a company is typically paying for the kind of yeah, product placement it, we normally see. Exactly. And the return on that investment should, could not possibly have paid out, <laughs> but what, a, what an interesting choice Krispy Kreme has made. Yes. That reminded me of one last thing. And then I really will end this and let you go. Please, but please. just going back to Kimberly, right? So she has this whole, this whole revelation about how she was a mean girl and she's trying to do better. And then in the final battle, the two girls who had cut up her picture in the bathroom, right? Debris lands on their car. She's fine. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's what you get. It's like, I, do we not learn well, our lesson here? I, know, I mean, we're kind of the asshole too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, they were not nice to her and, you know, two wrongs don't make a right and all that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I uh, I was not prepared to make moral judgments on Kimberly. Honestly, <laughs> you know, like in that moment, I'm like, yeah, fuck them. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, once again, thank you, Matt. Thank you, audience. I always appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you come back in two weeks. And of course, 
Once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all 